Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here to continue our expectations series for this offseason. Been having a lot of fun with this. And today we're going to kind of break the rules a little bit. In most cases, it's one offensive player, one defensive player. But like last year, we're going to put both special teams players together, uh, both of the special teams, the kicker and the punter, Jordan Stout and Justin Tucker. Um, their futures and their presence very intertwined, obviously, just the way Cook and Tucker uh, uh, were so. And here to talk with me about that is Philippe Dayback. Philippe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on, Ken. Uh, I'm definitely excited to talk about uh, these two players. Always a pleasure uh, talk football with you and talk about lots of other things, Philippe. Uh, yeah, always appreciate our conversations. But uh, Jordan Stout, let's talk. start with him. Uh, he's a second-year plunder, uh, largely delivered on expectations as one of the best punters in the draft. We're going to get to what that means in just a moment. Um, but all four of the, the punters that were taken – um, of them, I think it's pretty clear Jordan Stout had the best rookie year for various reasons. And I think his year was a little better than a lot of his individual punting numbers would represent. I agree. And so um, I think looking back to that draft, there were a lot of people very high on like uh, Matt Ariza and, and, um, and within that. And so it was definitely a shock to see the Ravens take Stout also like as the first punter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess just looking back on that, it, it seems like it was a good decision if um, within that to try to uh, move on from uh, from, from uh, uh, Sam Cook. Um, and, and so I do agree. It does seem that he was the best uh, punter uh, out of the draft so far. So obviously, if you look, if we look at the four who were drafted, um, Stout was drafted 130. We're going to talk about him in, in extensively in a moment. But the other guys, Camara, uh, Camarda, I'm sorry, drafted at number 133 by New England. Decent personal stats there, but the Patriots were the first, third worst team in terms of covering punts by Devoa. And that's the combination of the punting itself and the coverage unit. So it's very difficult often to peel those two things apart. Um, punters can far out punt their coverage, which can actually be a problem. Uh, Camarda had other issues in terms of punting the ball out of bounds, having too many touchbacks and some other elements that, that didn't really play to him. And he did not come out looking so well in punting Devoa. A lot of what we talk about here today is going to be some of these advanced metrics that come from either PFF or, or um, football outsiders 
in terms of some of the hidden metrics of punting and kicking. Very little can be taken from standardized punting stats. Like the highest punt average doesn't necessarily tell you a lot because teams, a lot of teams punt from further back or they punt in situations where a longer punt is possible or they punt in situations where a shorter punt um, is what the team is really trying to do to pin the other team back. And they may or may not be good at avoiding touchbacks, which are a key thing. So we're going to look, we're going to rely primarily on these advanced metrics and I won't tie you to any of that, but bring whatever up you want, Philippe, but, uh, but that's mostly what I'm pulling from. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, uh, looking at the average numbers is always definitely very skewed, uh, not knowing the situations uh, and that it was done in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also then going next, like that uh, next punter that was taken as well in the draft, uh, Matt Ariza, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he's been out of the league because of that um, uh, sexual encounter that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like that he was now um, uh, taking blame away from that. Um, but it's also interesting to see that teams have not signed him. Uh, the Jets were definitely looking into him uh, from the last thing that I read back in March. Um, so that's uh, interesting that nobody signed him. And so maybe they are starting to also look into these ad- uh, 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 advanced metrics uh, since he has definitely a big booming kick. But um, uh, just like you discussed, uh, that makes it difficult sometimes uh, as well. Yeah, thunderous foot. We didn't know, I don't think, all of the matter. Well, I, I say this: the general fan base did not know the matter rises stuff before the draft. It may or may not have been known by the Ravens and other teams who background checked him. Because frankly, the fact that he went in round six and uh, Stout and Camarda went in round four was surprising to a lot of people. A lot of people thought Ariza was certainly going to be the, the the first guy off the board. Um, he's now passed, as I understand, the um, criminal prosecution for what happened that he's that he's basically been exonerated by that he was accused of having sex with a minor at a party not to get in too deep into this very unsavory situation um but he supposedly there are people now who have seen him leave the party before the encounter occurred and so it wasn't him but that said you know if there was conduct before he left that is going to make a Roger Goodell or an independent arbiter or whoever might make the decision um, punish him in some way. I don't think that's going to be something NFL teams are going to be easily able to buy into. And what I look at this as being like is kind of like getting a private letter ruling from the IRS. You'd like to be able to ask Roger Goodell, what's the punishment appropriate to Matt Ariza if we decide to sign this guy? Because we can't sign him and then have you tell him he's out for the season because of what happened, even though he was, he did not face any criminal charges, he's still facing civil charges, by the way, very similar to what's happening with Deshaun Watson right now, who, who missed, you know, a, a bunch of games and negotiated to be able to play the, the end of last season. But it's, it's not, I, I, I don't think a lot of teams are, would be willing to take that risk to sign Matt Ariza and then have a Goodell rule on what the punishment ought to be. I agree, but it's also, training camp time where they can have larger rosters and then you can also have like a practice squad and the fact that he's not even anywhere on those rosters is like a little bit surprising to me um in that aspect but i do but i do agree on the fact that they don't want to take on the extra risk of um if they do choose him as their punter they don't want to have to um find a uh, uh, solution midway through the season yeah great point by the way there because because you could say i'll sign him to the 90 in march 
you know, and, and that obviously we're four months past that at this point, but I'll sign him to the, to, at the beginning of the league year, force Goodell to make a decision about what might be appropriate. The problem is that I think he'll make a decision on his own timetable and it will be based on what arises out of the civil suit. And that's honestly the way it happened with Deshaun Watson. He wanted the thing resolved. And, you know, he had, to, he had to wait for what arose out of that civil suit to largely determine his fate. So I don't think it's going to end up being done on the timetable that the team would, the team who signs him would like it to be done, which is, which is why, as you mentioned, there could be midseason risk in terms of a, a punting solution needed. All right. So, so we had uh, Matt Ariza was the third guy drafted. Uh, so he's had his problems. And then Trenton Gill was next to Mr. Irrelevant. I think he was taking 255. Um, he had some mediocre stats for the Bears, who were 20th in Team Devoa in punting. So, again, I think Jordan Stout, the Ravens finished 10th in punt Devoa uh, at plus 3.4%. If you know DVOA or defensive value over average, but this is applied to punting in this case. A zero is league average. And if you're above that, and the highest team, I think, was the uh, – let's look at it real quickly – was – looking at 2020 right now, but in 2022, the top team in the league was Washington at 11.2. And so the Ravens are at 3.4. They're 10th. Um, they're getting a little bit of value uh, positive from their punting. And, you know, for a rookie, I think that is a pretty great place to start. Obviously no one else uh, was in that same ballpark. Yeah. And so, um, uh, I was wondering, like, if you are a little bit surprised by them being 10th, um, and where do you project them out to be from, from here on out? Um, I think with the, um, Jordan Stout's rookie season, I think, uh, it's good that we're in the top part of the league. Um, I think that he can only grow from here if we, you know, uh, project growth. So I think that's a good positive sign. I do too. I think it's a great place to start from. I'd look at it like, Tyler Linderbaum or other offensive linemen who have kind of a mediocre first season. And I don't want to get in a whole Tyler Linderbaum debate here because that's not what I'm trying to do. But Tyler Linderbaum definitely had his positives and his negatives from his rookie year. Very good run blocker, very poor pass blocker. Um, that's, a, that's frankly a great place to start from in, in terms of having growth. And it might be even better if he were mediocre at everything. Um, in terms of being able to handle the NFL game, not being completely overwhelmed by it, you'd have a good chance to improve in, in multiple categories. Um, I, I think that's true of Stout. I don't think we've seen a lot of directional punting, for example, or, or of other technique gains he can make from working with Cook. I think that a lot of what Cook and he worked on initially was frankly holding at his first camp. So we also saw him take a few kickoffs during the preseason. Uh, he, he was taking some straight ahead kicks and there are various reasons given that they may be just trying to save Tucker's leg a little bit. Although, you know, you see Tucker out there kicking at practice. He, he makes a lot of kicks in a typical day. Um, it would kind of surprise me if in game kickoffs really needed to be reduced or, or even, you know, in preseason game kickoffs needed to be reduced, but, Jordan Stout had an interesting approach to it. He was just um, using a straight-ahead style, and it looked like they were attempting to pooch down inside the 10-yard line, kickoff after kickoff, to see if they could gain some variance, a positive variance, from just the automatic 25-yard line start that uh, Justin Tucker can give you every time if he wants to. 
Yeah, I think that there's probably two reasons for them trying this. First, from like a risk perspective, that um, uh, uh, if something were to happen to Tucker, uh, they want to make sure that uh, they, uh, he at least has some experience within that so that you're not just throwing him into there. And then I also think from a second uh, perspective, um, since the punting uh, involves like a lot of different techniques, so he may be able to do a more specific kickoff technique uh, compared to Tucker, um, maybe some kind of screwball or something that like just like Sam Cook uh, had developed. So maybe there's something there that they've seen or that they want to try out with him and uh, something and that Tucker is not able to do as well, um, you know, which is definitely hard to find. But maybe that's just the one area that uh, Stout can help out with. Yeah, it'll be impressive. And it's it's a different kicking style. So it, it, it's possible. It's conceivable that there would be something else. You know, one of the things about a straight straight up kicking style is you can let the wind affect the football probably more. I, I don't know if Tucker's, um, I probably, Tucker can almost do anything with the football, so I, w- I wouldn't limit him in some way. But my guess is that is that I, um, uh, you know a straight ahead kicking style might give you a better opportunity to let the wind impact the ball more, which gives the receiver, frankly, a lot of trouble. And fair catches only last until the ball hits the ground, and then it's a free football on the kickoff. So you you know a, a ball that's held up in the wind, and we saw one in the Jacksonville game that they won in two thousand in two thousand. The game at Jacksonville, they won fifteen to ten. They had a kickoff in that game, went straight up into the wind, got blown back to about the twenty five yard line, absolute gale blowing that day, and Anthony Davis covered it as if it was an onside kick. It's one of the few recovered onside kicks in Ravens history and it wasn't an onside kick at all. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, I, I think the Ravens look for ways to try and beat other teams um, in, in on special teams. This is a potential way to do it. I am a little concerned. I think the rules of the game, basically fair catching in inside the 25 is not going to be moved out to the 25 will tend to make the play almost completely go away. Um, uh, and, we're almost at the point with the with the current set of rules that I'd say just give them the ball at the twenty five and don't even don't even pretend to have this play. Yeah, but I mean, if there is that slight variance that you can make to make it harder to fair catch, um, you know, the Ravens will definitely try to take uh, 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 every like uh, advantage in that they can get. Um, and maybe there's something else that we can do on the uh, onside kick as well. So maybe there's something there that could be done better. So you know, we've definitely seen onside kicks are difficult to convert. Um, so maybe there's something there that he as well has some technique. Um, my, my only fear with Tucker doing some of these things is that I don't want to mess up his like routine that he has for the field goals. So that's something that, you know, if he doesn't do anything else, that's fine as long as the field goals are are there. So um, if we have somebody else to do that instead, I think that's great. The, the uh, making onside kicks, even though Tucker hasn't had a lot of success with it, is something I think would be absolutely sacrosanct. All the different tricks he's had, kicking the ball with the off foot, kicking the ball with his dominant foot, but around the back of his leg to, to get the guy. It's funny. I mean, it's, it's to take that away from him would be like taking away hiring authority from a manager. As a, you, you have all the rest of your job, you just you just can't hire the people you want to hire. You might as well, you know. He just he'd be up in arms over that. I don't think he would. I don't think he would put up with that. I think it might imp- actually impact your ability to re-sign him if you said you can't, you know you can't have that part. But it would be interesting. And I think if you're talking about the longer pooch kicks and giving him that, I don't think Tucker would feel like he would be as imposed upon on that. He probably actually is at an age where he'd rather not be on the field 
for potential return plays. Yeah, that's definitely a, uh, another important part about that uh, to try to save him on there. Let's, let's, let's keep talking about Stout a little bit. Um, one of the things that, that really didn't come out as well, he'd had a, a, an enormous percentage of in 10 punts between the 30 that it occurred. I believe the number is like 53% uh, from, from the draft. Um, his in 20 punts, obviously that's a wider standard we're, we're talking about. Uh, we're just not as good at the at the NFL level. He had he had uh, only 57 punts for the year. 27 were in 20. His low number of punts um, makes his percentage of in 20 rates still quite high, but it's only about seventh eighth in the league. It's not in, it's not you know top three or anything. Still, that's a lot better than where if you just look at the number in 20, you're going to get it. He's he's way down the list, and the large reason for that is the Ravens don't punt very often. They're good, you know, good offense in terms of grinding out first downs because they run the ball. They have two few, fewer total possessions and John Harbaugh is very aggressive on fourth down in terms of going for it. So that yields to more uh, one or zero results that don't involve punting. Yeah. So would we, so like, would we think that some of his numbers here are more of a sample size issue or do we think it's still like a, uh, uh, adjust into the NFL, um, kind of thing of having not as good college numbers as he had, like within, uh, within the 10, uh, within the 20. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, I would say it, 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 I, I, it doesn't seem to me like there should be a big adjustment from uh pro to sorry, college to pro punting the same way there are other things, but I think a lot of players have trouble with it. It may be dealing with the strengths of your coverage unit is something he might have to do. Uh, differently, it might be that um, he has to learn to trust elements of directional punting that he might not have been using. It, it, I, I can't come up with exactly what might be harder at the NFL level. I can think of a lot of things that would be easier, and one of the big things is, is playing in a lot of domes. Now he, he isn't in Baltimore, but there are a lot of domes in the NFL, and if you look at weather related impacts on punting and kicking it's there's the have and have nots all all fall on two lines do you play in denver or not that's number one <laughs> and and do you play in a dome or not um and if you if you uh, uh if, if you play in a dome usually you have much better punting stats and by the way that is something that i think needs to be considered with with stout's performance is that by playing outdoors he has not played in nearly as favorable punting conditions yeah, um, I think I think that the transition should be uh, you know relatively easier compared to other positions from from college to the pros, um, but there may be something more of like maybe the punter also has some more responsibility. You know, he has to try to decide at that point of punting like which which way they're going to go. And it's just kind of trying to read the field as well before he hits the punt. Mm-hmm. Um, s- some of that may just be some added pressure within that rookie season to try to adjust to. Um, and so I think that you know this next season will definitely answer any of those kinds of questions. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully it takes it takes a step forward in, in various categories. We'll get to that and what a good and great season is. Um, there, there are some good things that came out of this. He's tied for the sixth fewest out-of-bounds kicks. You want to avoid those. When I grew up, you know, they still had the term coffin corner. Are you even familiar with that? You're a young guy. I am uh, from the uh, uh, Madden game. They, oh, Madden they always had the okay. coffin corner punt in there. All right. So you're trying to kick the ball out-of-bounds inside the five-yard line. And, and honestly... That went out of vogue probably by about the 1980s. 
and teams started realizing that it's just much easier to cover punts inside the 10 yard line. That is to try and directionally punt the ball out of, out of bounds between like the five and the, and the goal line. Uh, so, so anyway, they, they, I think they, you know, it, it certainly is completely out of vogue in terms of punting the ball out of bounds. And generally speaking, when you punt the ball out of bounds, you generally did not intend to do so. There are some return men, if you're facing Tyreek Hill, you might want to punt the ball out of bounds, but most of the time you don't want it. You want to you want to kick it high. You want to give your chance your, your coverage team a chance to cover it. And there are relatively few very dangerous returns, punt returns in the NFL these days. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, especially with the Ravens, uh, usually having a better unit, uh, you definitely don't want to uh, hit it out of bounds. Especially since you're also then up to the referee about placement. So. Yeah. Um, you just want to avoid that. So it's great to see that he uh, did uh, avoid that very well. He also had f- relatively few touchbacks. His seventh touchbacks tied for six most in the NFL. But um, it's it's also a reversal of his college stats because he had one of the worst percentages in the league. So seventh most, I'm sorry, seventh most, not seventh fewest. And it, it was at 12.3% uh, touchbacks. That's very high um, by today's standards. You don't want to kick the ball out of bounds. You definitely don't want to kick the ball into the end zone when you're punting. That usually you know, just clips 20 yards off your potential maximum return, but it probably kicks about 12 or 13 or 14 yards over your expected uh, punt if you uh, if you do end up kicking in the end zone. So you really want to avoid those, and that's something that really needs to improve. And he, he had a great ratio of in 10 punts to touchbacks when he's in college, and so I've got to believe that has a good chance to return. Because a lot of it is based on him and and just you know finding the range properly and you know they may be playing on a different surface but it's still a football field it's still demarked in yards and it's and it's still the same uh, distance from point A to point B from anywhere on the field so uh, the hash marks I guess could make a difference because they're different in college but otherwise that length of the football field is exactly the same yeah that's where I think is just uh, the adjustment into the pros uh he just maybe has some you know nervousness or just trying to adjust all the different aspects of it reading the field um trying to also make sure that he uh, holds well for tucker all these different things are just um i think maybe influencing that because i would definitely expect to see his college numbers come back all right well so would i and i think i think he'll be he'll improve i think we talked about most of the most of the advanced metrics that 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 uh, we wanted to hit on here let's talk about his holding responsibilities for a moment, because that to me was where stout was going to be made or broken uh, in terms of, uh, of his performance. And they, the Ravens did a lot to try and bring in Sam cook to teach him and to bring in those high tech methods to try and give him the most immediate feedback he could get on what was working and what was going wrong. Yeah. Um, I think that, we could have expected a like fall off from the Ravens that we could have expected, you know, uh, after them uh, gelling very well together, Sam Cook and Justin Tucker, that somebody new coming in could have definitely messed up um, uh, some of that. But I think that the Ravens tried to minimize the risk the best as possible way that they could. Um, and also at the same time, it seems that they did because Justin Tucker definitely had a great season um, uh, hitting his like field goals and also, uh, uh, extra points uh, above the uh, 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 expectation. Uh, uh, he was like second in the league for that. So mm-hmm. um, it's good to see that 
you know, that's probably the most important part of the job rather than punting, um, uh, holding well for Tucker. And it's good to see that that transition went very smoothly. Yeah. There's a lot more points on the line with that. And, and uh, he was 8.8 points above expectation. It's second best in the NFL. If you're talking Justin Tucker, he better be in the top three or four every year. What has typically happened is somebody has a good year. That's maybe a little bit better than Tucker and Tucker is so consistent. He's usually, you know, one, two, three, but not always the best. But if you look at any, you know, substantial period of time, Tucker is the best by such a wide margin. It's not even funny in terms of, of uh, being the greatest kicker of all time. We'll get to him in the second part of the show, but um, uh, you know, in terms of holding the fact that there was not any material drop off for Tucker is the biggest positive I can talk out of stout season, even though the Ravens had a good coverage year, they, they covered punts exceptionally well. He's starting from a good position as a punter. It's still the, the, the relative leverage of those two jobs of the, being the holder and being the punter, um, you know, is maybe like two to one in terms of the relative importance from my perspective, just, and that's just thinking about it from a qualitative perspective. Yeah. And also with the Ravens being, or Tucker being the second best, uh, uh, in the NFL, we also have to account for weather. Uh, the Rams were number one, but they play uh, within a dome, so that uh, that's a really good point. That definitely uh, affects you know the rankings a little bit and uh, affects Tucker uh, within that. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And and Football Outsiders they keep that as a separate factor, and I don't believe they factor that into his expected points to Voa. So they just they, they give him his expected points number. I'm sorry, which is not a Devoa. It's just expected points relative to kicking at that distance. And then they have a weather factor. And I think they could lop that weather factor back in and give it to the kicker, but they didn't want to for some reason. I can't remember what it was, but Aaron Schatz was on the show a while back. And, and I'd, I'd point people back to that pod. It's a great, if you love Justin Tucker and you want to hear about Justin Tucker, go back and look for the Justin Tucker, Aaron Schatz show. And uh, he was just terrific at explaining his own methodology for doing that and then comparing him to the other kickers that are in the football outsiders era, which now stretches back into the 1980s, um, that, that, that he's the, you know, by far the best kicker in NFL history. All right. So let's, let's look ahead. What do we want out of Jordan Stout in terms of 2023? So why don't you start? I, we'll, we'll name a couple of things and, and we'll, we'll, we'll try and uh, what, what are some goals for him going forward? Yeah, um, I think that we want the holding to definitely, just like we've just mentioned, since it's so important to continue on just the same way it is, develop that relationship with Tucker to make sure that he trusts him fully and um, and just make sure that that's consistent without any kind of issues and make sure that Tucker stays in the top of the league. Um, uh, it's definitely up to him to be able to help with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's, that's going to be job one still for this next year is, is making sure there's no slippage there. And if there were, I mean, you know, I wonder what the Ravens have to do. They might even have to think about developing another holder on the team. Um, but if, if, if he's a good, if he's a good punter, but a bad holder, it almost means you got to get a new punter. Cause I, I just, you know, the, the job is just that important <laughs> just that, uh, or they have to find, you know, they had Anthony Levine, I think, was doing some backup holding for them at one point, but they'd have to find somebody else who's actually an active player to to take that role, perhaps. So, uh, you know, I, nobody's going to have the time to develop the skill better than one of those Wolfback players because if you've ever been at a practice, they stand around a lot of that practice not doing anything. 
So those guys are in the perfect position to develop their holding technique to a higher level. And, uh, and hopefully that's something that, uh, uh, you know, that, that Stout won't slip on. Yeah, I just don't see the Ravens having somebody else hold punts, um, you know, uh, and then uh, I would definitely see them picking a different punter instead. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't want, you know, to lose a roster spot just on a holder, uh, even though if it's very important. Um, and then you're also taking that player away from learning the defense, learning the offense, yep. whatever other position that is. So um, it just doesn't make sense from a, a, a team philosophy perspective for them to do that. So um, Stout needs to just make sure he does that holding well because um, he won't stay just for punting at that point. Yeah, I, I agree completely. So uh, I, I don't even know of another team or a team in recent years who's had somebody else do the job. It's often, oftentimes there have been backup quarterbacks and there's probably still a, a few around the NFL who are the holder. Um, uh, but, and it used to be more common that, that your, your, your backup quarterback, sometimes even your starting quarterback, I believe if you go far enough back would be the holder. But, uh, but I don't, I don't think that's happening currently anywhere. I don't, at least I'm not aware of it. Yeah, that definitely used to happen, and so famously, uh, Tony Romo in that playoff game. Uh, oh, good point. There, that yeah. uh, that showed that, and so I think he was the starter at that moment, right? So, um, it it's definitely fallen out of favor uh, for good reason. Yeah. All right, all right, outstanding. So, I, I'll I'll tell you something. I want to see. I want to see an improved ability to deliver unreturned punts. And when I say that, I don't mean touchbacks or out of bounds. I want less of those in, in each case. But specifically, the in-20 uh, coverable punts, I want to see an increase in those. Um, and he doesn't have to get all the way back to his college level to be a good NFL player, but the Ravens' uh, coverage units are good, and I think that if he just gives them a better chance to cover those punts, um, that's going to be good. So that would be my, my second thing that I really want out of him in addition to maintaining his holding ability. Yeah, and I think along with that, you know, just kind of – aligning with the coverage more so kind of being uh uh in sync with the coverage which then allow you to get more of those uh uh inside the 10 inside the 20 puns um since then the the um, returner is going to have to fair catch it so um if he's able to time it better with uh with the coverage unit um that will help his numbers as well as then uh help the team out as well so i'd like to see more of that being able to make sure that they're uh, together in sync so for that better hang time uh, be a, would be some of the value of not out kicking your coverage. So longer isn't always better. Sometimes you want higher and shorter in, in punting. It's an interesting mix. And you're kind of alluding to that in the, in, in the point you just made. Um, let's, let's, I guess, go ahead and talk about what a good season and a great season would be for, for Stout. So why don't you, why don't you start with your definition of a good season and, Mine is pretty qualitative, so it's all over the place. But what would you like to see? Yeah, so um, definitely want to see the holding maintained to be at a, uh, a very good level. And then also just punting. I, I just want to see him uh, see him to take that next step um, in some capacity. So I think a good season will be um, improving in like a couple areas within punting, um, whether that be developing some of those tricks that Sam Cook had, um, uh, better numbers of uh, within the 20, um, better hang time. If he is able- This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would pick two out of those, like, you know, three or four. Um, that would be like a good season for me. Yeah, that's, I think that's right on the money with with what I would say. So, I, I, you know, no slip in terms of production of field goals and extra points relative to expectation, those those points. He's at eight, about 8.8 now. If Tucker retained that the rest of his career, I think he'll be fine. I think Stout will be fine. Um, it would even be great if, if, if he could get better, but we'll get into that. And then I think exactly what you mentioned – he he won't pick up all of Sam Cook's trickery right away. That's going to come with being a veteran. Sam Cook, one of the things he had, even as his leg kind of wasn't the same kind of booming apparatus that it was early in his career, was able to do a lot of directional punting. So he would he would be able to uh, kick a line drive occasionally. He'd be able to kick a punt with backspin that he knew. He'd be able to accurately place that. He'd be able to pin a guy against the sidelines without putting the ball out of, out of bounds to put the return man at a tremendous disadvantage. Those kind of you know directional tricks, some of the some of the trajectory kicks that 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 Cook could put in. He'll have to wait for time to come on. But I'm like you. I think you know if he could pick up one or two of those, uh, maybe the Ravens continue to bring back Cook on the same kind of uh, training camp deal they had to help him try and learn some of those things uh, would be very good. And maybe, maybe Stout is the kind of guy who's already gone to a punting guru this off season and try to learn some of that. I tell you what, I would be thrilled if that were the case. I think it would, it would make such a difference if he had gone to do that. Yeah. I'd be thrilled with him if he did that. And also just basically all the players like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. rookie year, the first couple of years is your time to maximize your potential in the league. And, um, definitely hitting some of those gurus is, is, uh, wonderful for us as fans to see them grow. Yeah. Money well spent for the player too. They're, they'll get a tremendous return, uh, typically on that. I mean, players always have a chance to get hurt and you can't really worry about that because it's like, you know, if, 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 the economy all goes to crap at one time. All the people in finance are going to lose their bonuses. It doesn't matter. You just got to put yourself in the best position to collect big when things are good. And this is a case where, where you know, Lamar Jackson is the North Star of the Baltimore Ravens in terms of taking advantage of the offseason to get gurued up. And we saw that happen between 18 and 19. It was one of the biggest transformations you'll ever see. And it made him an MVP right away. I helped make him MVP. Some of the some of it's just Lamar's own moxie and whatnot, but a lot of it was him going to a, a guy he really trusted and learning new things about being a quarterback. And I think that's available to a player like Stout as well. I I don't want to minimize what the punter's job is, but I have to believe that that's not as intensive a program to learn some additional tricks and then try them out on your own as it is to be a quarterback and learn the additional tricks for that position, which is somewhat more complex at, at a minimal. Yeah. 
especially since he has a good base to build on, right? Like this mm-hmm. season, uh, the Ravens are top, you know, 10 within the Devoa. So uh, he's, you know, he has a good base to be able to like take himself to like the extra uh, uh, next level. So it's just like extra reason to go to a guru and, um, and, uh, and learn all that. Um, so what would make a great season from your perspective for, for uh, uh, Stout? Yeah, so for me, I think a great season would be, again, the holding, staying the way it is, even, you know, maybe even a little bit better of uh, Tucker's numbers to rise up into that number one. Um, and just improving on like three of those different aspects, like having just a, a big upswing in his uh, punting numbers um, and percentages, I think would, uh, would definitely make a great season. Um, so to me, it, it's a it's a basically different slope of the growth uh, for for good, uh, kind of like a slower growth, but great. I think um, has to excel in in multiple facets. Good good points. So you're you're basically saying that we shouldn't look at this last year and the fact that that Tucker was still plus eight point eight and attribute any of that to overachievement of Stout as a rookie. Like we, we're we're saying. That's our new baseline for expectation. We do expect him to at least produce that. Whereas there would be some people who would probably say would challenge it and say that, you know, you got plus 8.8 out of Stout. You already lucked out in terms of, of you know, going from Cook to Stout and not having much slippage at all in terms of, of Tucker's season. It's not reasonable for you to expect that again because Stout is a human being and Cook was a Hall of Fame holder. And, you know, you've got a difference in these two in terms of baseline ability. Do you think there'd be any validity to that argument? Yeah, I guess I was starting to wonder what is the probability of of a decline for him? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'm just trying to go based off his college numbers that I, I expect the growth um, since we're not seeing what we saw in college. So I would say that probability would be pretty low. Um, I'd attribute like a 30 to 40% probability of, of a decline in his numbers. Um, and I'm just attributing this to being a baseline. Okay, so you're saying, but that's growth as a punter or growth as a holder? Both, okay. I guess. But, but I, I, I do see the point of separating those out. The punter, there's a much higher chance of growth since yes. the holder has already set a pretty high baseline. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where I am too. And I think, they've, I think they've focused on the holding more in this rookie year. So anyway, I, I, I want to be reasonable about this, but I think I basically completely agree with what you're saying is that the good is a, is a, is a slow growth ascension, but certainly some growth expected at least as a punter and a great season is a, is a more significant growth thing. And I think in 20 rate, the touchback rate, the starting opponent field position, all of those kind of metrics, which give you a better idea of just how much value getting out of the punter that don't or aren't just um, average net distance or average distance on the punts. Average net distance is probably better, but it still is field position relative. So, you know, if you're the Ravens, you probably got to do better than other teams in that. Um, but I would, I would want their punting Devoa. If it's 10th right now, based on who Stout was in college, I, a great season, I want to see him in the top five. Yeah, and so I guess since we've talked about how, uh, how the holding is so important, so uh, if his holding would go down some um, and – like and then if you would excel at the other punting metrics, um, would you consider that a good season or would you consider that a downturn season? No, I think I think I don't think you can afford to give up much as a holder. I mean, look if 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 Tucker 
it, let's let's throw out a a, a a theoretical because I think it's the only way you kind of you kind of get a frame this up. If, if if Tucker were to suddenly go to six points above, or let's say five points above expectation this next year, and it's not a hundred percent clear exactly where that's coming from. I think it's going to be very difficult to root out whether that's a decline in Tucker or a downturn in the performance of the holder. And it may be that we can look at some individual kicks and see that, but it probably is the case that we're not going to understand the subcomponents of that synergy to really understand who, who it was that screwed up his job, whether it was Tucker or whether it was, was, was stout as a holder, or, or maybe, you know, long snapper is, is all of a sudden not doing it. Um, could even be the wing allows a kick to get blocked, but you know, there's, there's all kinds of possibilities that, 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 you know, of, of people who can who could break down on the on the kicking team, but uh, but I don't think we're going to be able to easily um, parse out those subcomponents. And one of the problems is it's too few total misses. So you make a whole bunch of kick and you take credit for all those. Everything went right, and and maybe you know what you really need to be looking at is in the cases where the snap was not really perfect, how how well did he do on those holds? Or when the snap was perfect, did he have a near perfect rate at least of getting the ball set such that Tucker uh, could deliver an on-target kick? Or, or were there some other problems that were you know, just not consistent about exactly how he was placing the ball in those situations? I, I don't know what the Ravens have in terms of technology or in terms of um, the ability to analyze that after the fact. I don't know if they have you know, great cameras for doing it. I I just don't know how able, but I do know this. I think it's going to be very unlikely for us as fans or analysts to really be able to, to, to separate those subcomponents. That's true. So, but if there's a decline, I guess we would probably still attribute some of that to stout uh, in some capacity. We, uh, or at least that would make his season not be a good season. Cause we would uh, have some doubt within that. Yeah. But yeah, I do agree I, with you that it'll be hard to discern that without some, uh, uh, advanced metrics for that. Yeah. yeah. That's it, it. It probably is an untapped area of uh, football metrics that somebody could really figure out a way to, to, to look at it differently. I know they have some outstanding methods to measure how the ball is traveling now on the field. So they have the players are obviously pads or shoulder pads have the, have the sensors in them, but they also have them on the football and that allows them to, within one one hundredth of a yard, gridify where that ball is at any time. Now, one one hundredth of a yard is a third of an inch. In football kicking terms, that might not be tight enough to really understand what's going on exactly. Um, it, you can understand in terms of trajectory, maybe what had to happen. You say, I guess you'd have to model it going backwards to figure out you know, how that, how that worked, but it, it, it seems like it, it wouldn't, it's, it's extremely effective at judging where a runner is with a football or how a guard is pulling out in front of a play. If you want to, if you want to adjudicate those things with, by measuring the shoulder pad X, Y coordinate on the field that they give away for big data bowl, for example. But I think you, you, it's a much more dangerous prospect to try and model the, the, the flight of a football, um, based on a hold spot when the hold spot accurate to, to a third of an inch, sorry, a third of an inch. Yes. A third of an inch might not be close enough to really make, make that determination proper. 
Yeah, I think for the holding, you're right that that's not a uh, small enough uh, margin of error for that but to be able to discern if it's a good hold or not. Um, there may be some analysis somebody could do on like the spin of the ball as it's going to the holder yep. and try to see the position of the laces and stuff like that to see how much of a change you had to make. Um, so that's a great some point. of that's like cool analysis and, and that definitely is available to do. Yeah, I, I I actually don't know if the if the current XY data of the football has position of the laces, but if it does, that would be a great place to start in, in terms of, you know, what's his average number of degrees off on the laces. And, you know, it, that just sounds fascinating to, to try and uh, look at that kind of stuff. Anyway, we're ready to move on to Justin Tucker here. I think we have very similar expectations of what's a good and great situation for Stout. Growth is a punter, continue excellence as a holder, or continued excellence out of Tucker uh, as a holder. Yeah, uh, completely agree. And I think it's a uh, natural transition into Tucker. So now we're entering his 12th season. He remains the best kicker in NFL history. Incredibly, he's going to be 34 in November. It seems like just yesterday he was coming up. He still looks very young, which is one of the things. Kickers get old and they look old you know, in this league and, and they don't all end up looking like George Blanda or Morton Anderson, but a lot of them do. And Tucker's 34 and he still looks completely in shape and, you know, ready to do advertising on TV, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but he's a, uh, he is a very strange character and, and hopefully he's uh, uh, a, a natural performer and has kept up his uh, leg very well, obviously. I mentioned that Aaron Schatz show. I really want people to go back and take a look at that. Um, because historically you have a, a kicker is just so far above the field. It will, it should not be a doubt that he's a first ballot hall of famer. And yet I kind of still have the feeling they're not going to do it for a kicker when the time comes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a concern. Cause like you can see punters are very hard to get in as well. Um, and um, that's, you know, that starts to become like a political game a little bit with the hall of fame to try to, get him into that so um i definitely hope that they don't do that but um time will only tell yeah it, some of it kind of will depend on the class he's in with if it's a somewhat weak class in his year of retirement he may have a better chance to get in on the first ballot but he will be fighting people in his case who have kind of a um growing belief of of induction is warranted so you have usually you're stratified into several categories there's one like what used to be the veterans committee in baseball uh selection every year i believe and then there's one who's a, like a coach or other contributor or broadcaster that kind of thing and then they have the other players and the players th there's a group that will be first ballot automatic kind of players he needs to avoid a year where he's in with a bunch of those because that would that would hurt his chances it might make him wait a long time uh, you know, if he's if he's in a group of that retirement year has several slots already taken up. But the other thing is you, you have some where their Hall of Fame um, uh, momentum is growing in the voting over the years. And they're only for a certain number of years are they even considered. I don't remember what that is, but they're but they're this is true in baseball. I think you're on for 10 years, maybe. And your, your momentum, maybe it's 15, but your momentum grows and you, your, your percentage of the votes each year is something that gets reported. And then it gets, you know, it's, it's something that's available to the voters next year. So they know if Ron Santo is close, for example, that they want to try and vote for Ron Santo this year kind of thing. Uh, I think this is a case for where, where Tucker, probably his best chance to get in 
in any reasonable amount of time is to get in there on the first ballot because there's not a whole lot of other first ballot players around. Yeah, and because there's also, you know, uh, if there's some players in that are on the cusp, but like this is their last year, those players are yes. going to kind of get preference as well. So um, trying to align that to avoid those situations is um, uh, maybe he should look at that whenever he, oh. <laughs> he just starts to. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a great point. He actually could time out. He could be looking towards next year who's going to retire. And, oh, yeah. no, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are retiring. I can't go, you know, this year kind of thing. So. Yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a funny point, but yes, absolutely true. Um, Do we worry about any of long, longevity issues with him or I guess any kind of drop off? I mean, you know, 12 years in the in the league is no small number um, for sure. And so for a kicker, maybe it, it seems not as uh, not as uh, high, but um, definitely always concerned about, uh, you know, being in the prime and so forth. I mean, I think the answer has to be yes, absolutely. I think that Tucker is unusual in how well he's kept himself in shape. And you look at some of the older kickers in the league, that just hasn't been true with guys particularly kicking into their 40s. Uh, Bryant in Atlanta, Vinatieri, you know, some of those guys, they just, they, they're not in the same shape. Uh, any of the Anderson kids, um, when, when they were in their 40s, you know, they're, they're kind of pudgy dudes who were, you know, rolling out there to make a kick. I don't want to, I want to trivialize who they are. They were great kickers, but, but they're just not in the same kind of shape when they're in their forties as when they were in their twenties. And Tucker so far seems to have avoided some of that degradation. And he's, you know, he's still making very long attempts, which is one of the points I want to make about just his year last year is that he had one of his best ever years. And you know, one of the things about it is where his misses came from. So he didn't miss any inside 40 yards. He's 24 of 24 last year. He's now 202 of 205 from inside 40 in his career. That's 98.5% he's made on those kicks. So it's not usually ever the case where Tucker misses a kick at a distance that some other kickers do miss kicks. He usually is making a, a missing a kick where other kickers won't even attempt it. So his misses last year were at 48. Okay, there's plenty of almost every kicker in the National Football League would attempt a 48-yard field goal at this point. 50, 55, 56, 61, and 67. Three of those were blocked. I'm not saying that's a that's a case of his line failed him. It's a case of usually longer attempts have a higher percentage of being blocked because you need to kick it at a lower trajectory. Uh, but but in any case, it's it's really a matter that 86% field goal rate is something people will bring up. If you don't look at the distance of the kicks, you don't have anything because, you know, he, he, he two extra missed kicks like the 61 and the 67, say, are, are attempts that literally no one else in the NFL would have made. Yeah, I think that whenever people look at field goal percentage, they're not taking into account some of these distance kicks and also taking into account like blocks and different things like that. Um, once again, blocks may be hard to attribute exactly where the fault is from. But um, yeah, I mean, his, you know, he's definitely attempting things and that other kickers are not doing um, and from distances and the Ravens believe in him. And also it kind of falls in line with John Harbaugh's philosophy a little bit. You know, if we're not going for it on fourth down, then we're going to go in for a really long kick and we don't need the punter in that situation. Yeah, that's, that's true. And the Ravens really show up with that with very few punts relative to other teams um, in terms of, of kicking field goals, going for it on fourth down or, having an efficient offense that, that'll, that'll try and, and uh, uh, grind out more first downs, get you closer to the goal line. So they've, they've, done, a, they've done a very good job of this. Tucker's 
consistency is a topic that I want to bring up and discuss a little bit here because he's had 11 seasons in the league now. He scored between 128 and 142 points in each of those 11 seasons, which is just so incredible, I can't even say. It's, it's, it's one of the most amazing consistency sets that I have ever seen from any player in football or any other sport for that matter. Yeah, and I think just for context, right, The uh, if I quickly looked up here, the Ravens scored 350 points last season. So he's almost 50% of the points. I mean, more like 40. 35, 40%. Yeah. But that's a tremendous amount. And, you know, he's only getting one-seventh on, like, uh, on the touchdown. So it just shows how much he's doing in the field goal, uh, uh, on basically the field goal side of things. It's, it's, it's certainly a, uh, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's been a high percentage of the points. I have to go back and look at like how high a percentage Matt Stover was in 2000, but I don't think he was quite as high. And he had a great year that year, I think with 35 field goals or something. But uh, I, I think he was a lower percentage of the Ravens total points. Even, even when you consider some of the other great performances in Ravens history, which had some offenses that were a little bit maligned in terms of their ability to score touchdowns. Um, you know, it hasn't, it, it hasn't always been that a kicker has at, at the highest percentage of scoring. I, there's, there's a line I really love from Bill James that he applied to Fred McGriff, who was one of my favorite ball players, even though he played in a lot of his career with the hated blue Jays. Um, he said about Fred McGriff's seasons, cause he had a lot of, of home runs in the low thirties seasons hit 280 to 300 kind of thing. And he said that, Telling, trying to tell his best seasons apart was like to trying to discern which were the best uh, episodes of Gilligan's Island. I just absolutely love that analogy because every episode of Gilligan's Island, if you grew up with that on Channel 45 and are a long-term Baltimorean or maybe even watched it when it was on way back in the 60s, every episode was exactly the same. All right. All right, enough of that. Um, let's see what else did I want to talk about rule change effectiveness. I think we covered on with stout. Um, so let's talk about if, if Justin Tucker is turning 34, what do you ask him to work on? If you're Randy Brown or you're John Harbaugh or whoever you are, you have an end of season meeting coming up with Justin Tucker, Justin, let's talk about what you need to work on for next year. Uh, I mean, I definitely give props to a coach, and that has a long list for him because that would be <laughs> that'd be quite impressive. Um, uh, um, yeah, I mean, onside kick. If we're like going to be very nitpicky, maybe there's something there that he can you know find some mm-hmm. kind of trick, something to cement that first battle Hall of Famer, you know, kind of thing even more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is just that longevity, right? We want to make sure that he continues being able to do what he's doing and try to figure out how can he continue hitting these long field goals um, forever, essentially. Right. Um, and not have any drop off within that. So um, otherwise, yeah, just continue doing what you're doing because this is tremendous. You know, what, one of the things in the business world that happens in terms of performance reviews is they start an extremely structured basis at the lowest levels. And they literally want the 
person and the manager to fill out boxes that will be, you know, give this person a one, two, three, four, five in this category, and then give you reasoning below it. But we really care about the number one, two, three, four, five. And we want these exact categories measured out. And we want a total rating for the, for the person with a total rating. Anyway, it's so structured. It is built. So it can relativize merit increases effectively. But the higher you get up in the organization, two things happen. One is that you kind of write your own goals and performance reviews uh, for yourself instead of having your manager do it for you. Manager will look at it. He'll, he'll, he may add some things, but you write your own performance review for, from that perspective. The other thing is you have always the risk of getting fired the higher you get every year. Even, even though you might be doing an okay job, you just somebody doesn't like you, you could be fired. You're, you're, you're no longer valuable to the organization to the degree you're paying you. You could be fired. You, know, you, could, be, you could be out for various reasons. So, so it, it's just the natural thing. So with Justin Tucker, if you're John Harbaugh, I think you, you follow that general procedure. He's, he's a man who has done it all in the NFL as a kicker, clearly. You ask him, Justin, what are you going to work on this offseason? Because I, I don't think there's anything else you can say <laughs> in terms of, hey, Justin, you, you, might, you might say, hey, Justin, the, you know, there's this potential rule change coming in next year. How do you think we should approach that? But I think, I think it ought to be Socratic. I don't think you should tell Justin Tucker what he needs to do this offseason. Yeah, uh, he's definitely figured out his magic, right? And just let him continue that, which I think Ravens do value that within the kicking, that they value a like routine, a structure, and so forth to have that. So um, you kind of don't want to mess with that even more. Just let him let him do what he's doing and, and figure out if there's anything he wants to work on. Um, maybe there's some some benefit that he wants within the you know locker room, some food or something like that. Maybe that's what he needs to work on. And, <laughs> but otherwise, this, this this just gets tough to try to find something. Yeah, can you get me a, a better locker that's not right next to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's something that he's asking from the organization. That's not for him to work on. But yeah, oh. yeah exactly. All right. So so what's a good season for, for Justin Tucker? Yeah, I mean, good seasons. Um, I mean, I, I guess this is where we kind of differentiate. I think like, you know, a great season for me is him continuing being who he's been, been this whole time. Uh, a good for me would be kind of like stepping down. Uh, even even like a tiny step would be a more of a more of a good season. Um, consi- uh, considering all of his consistency, uh, for me, a great season con- means that he has to continue on the way he's been. So uh, maybe we put it in terms of Devoa. I'd say a good season is he stays in the top five. In terms of expected points, I should say not not Devoa relative to expectation. Um, I, I, he doesn't have to be number one because there's always a lot of variance in performance, and there's usually some rookie with a big foot who has a big year, and you're competing against a lot of very talented people. Does not have to be number one every year, but he needs to stay in that in that top five. Uh, you know, as we talked about with Stout, I guess we wouldn't really know right away what was wrong necessarily if he started missing some kicks. Uh, you know, and when I talk about missing, I'm not talking about missing 60 plus yard field goals. I'm talking about if he starts missing the 45 yard field goals with some regularity, or he starts missing from under 40 at all. Um, you know, we got to you got to kind of look at those and say what the hell happened. Um, but I'd like to see him return. Um, if if it's a great season, I'd like to see him return to um, 12 plus expected points and to be probably the, the the best or second best at the worst kicker in the league maintain his all pro status which i think uh, he's had now for seven years he's been all pro one or all pro two and i'd like him to stay at that level i think there are there are 
there probably kind of should be a career component to that. And I think there is in the way the voters look at it and also a, who, who really kicked well this season. So let's say that's 50% calculated on a career basis and 50% calculated how he did this year. He's going to have a pretty good chance based on his career statistics and being the, the best of all time to be in that AP one, AP two discussion uh, in any given year. Yeah, and definitely the AP will help him with the um, uh, uh, first ballot Hall of Fame. Um, mm-hmm. Just rack all those up will definitely help when that comes out time because people tend to uh, look at those numbers uh, uh, yeah. at the end. Um, yeah, Pro Bowls I see what as you're well. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize right away what you were what you were saying because I thought you were saying the AP was doing the voting, but you're absolutely right. They look at all pro totals, and you know if Tucker has a dozen of those by the time he retires, and I, he has seven first or second years in a row. And I think he might have eight career, but I'd have to look at that. Um, don't have it right in front of me, but I think it might be eight career in, in an 11 year uh, career. But if he ends up with a dozen uh, first or second team, all pro nominations, going to be really difficult not to make that guy a first ballot hall of famer. Yeah. I think the resume starts speaking for itself and um, definitely need to, you know, make sure that maybe then he, he's still, Maybe uh, he won't have to look out for the other players within the ballot. Um, it can just go in easily. All right. Outstanding. Always fun to talk with you, Philippe, about anything really, but but certainly about football here uh, uh, and uh, talking about these two uh, uh, members of the Wolfpack. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you if they want online. Yeah, on Twitter, uh, Philippe J. Daybeck, uh, F-I-L-I-P. Um, definitely uh always open to talking football and also uh, anything else uh, analytics based. All right. Outstanding. Philippe has a wonderful background in um, uh, visualization uh, that, that I, I got a firsthand chance to work with him and then to look at his finished product in terms of a, uh, uh, some, a, a football presentation he did a few years ago, just outstanding stuff. So if you have questions about how to, present something. I'm not going to guarantee that Philippe is going to spend his time on that, but he might really be able to give you some great ideas in terms of a package to use or, or what is it? Is that fair? Or is it, uh, is yeah, that too much to, no, that's fair. Okay. Uh, I definitely love visualization, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, all that stuff. So definitely wrapping all that together into something, a cool project is always fun too. All right. Outstanding, Philippe. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, there's still time in July, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Give me your idea. We'll talk about it. We'll see if there's a if there's a show worth doing there. And and I'd love to have you on. I'll promise to get back to you very quickly. Um, DMs are always open on Twitter. I'll get back to you, as I said, very quickly. Philippe, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.